You sold me for one crummy little stinking fish, huh? He also threw in the rice and two pickles. <laughs> what kind of father are you? Maybe you can hum the theme song. Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, the question we ask is still the same. Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome to Is This Still Good, a podcast about removing nostalgia goggles and revisiting childhood treasures. I'm Gavin. Today, as per usual, um, I have a co-host. It's a a sage. Thought you were going to move right past me. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Sage. And then the third laugh is our buddy Andrew Calloway. Andrew, hey, hey. (laughs) There he goes. Um, Unless it was your own laugh audience member. (laughs) Today we're watching something that I grew up on, and no one else did, apparently. I've never uh, heard of this show in my life. <laughs> Ronma One Half. So this is, I think, our first one where our guest knew nothing about the property at all, and it's just here because we like his company. Um, <laughs> uh, Gavin, I'm not sure how you were ever going to find someone who knew this property. <laughs> so, I mean, me and my sister both grew up with, like lots of this show and uh i did watch like a lot of anime as a kid but mostly just like miyazaki and ghibli stuff so this was one of the ones that wasn't in that vein and then my sister got really into inuyasha and i had friends who watched dragon ball but like this was the one that i watched the most of that wasn't like a miyazaki legendary film but yeah so uh both of you watched it for the first time and uh oh yes yeah. Do <laughs> you guys, neither of you had ever heard of it before. It didn't make no. its way out to Alaska, even in I mean, know, hushed whispers? Not, not, not only did it probably not make it on the one channel I had in my cabin, but uh, I didn't grow up uh, on any anime. And for most of my life, I didn't like any anime. I'm still not certain if, if that's changing, but I think Ranma might, might be a start. You know, I, I think I... Actually, somebody described this show to me like many, many years ago when I was like 13 or 14. Um, I, I vividly remember somebody describing to me a, uh, you know, gender switching anime um, and thinking that it sounded like completely insane. And then it was like, like partway through the first episode, I was like, oh, my God, is this that show? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many like gender switching animes there are, um, but you that's know, a good question. It, it seems, it seems you, probable. Yeah. It's if probably you have a count show. of gender switching animes, please write in to stillgoodpod at gmail dot com. I, I did actually just watch a film called Your Name for the first time yeah. a, a week or two ago, which mm-hmm. is which is another gender switching anime. Um, so apparently, a, yeah. it's a, like a trope of the genre. That also was really well renowned and uh, did really well. I got to see that in theaters, which was really fun. Um, I, I quite liked that one actually. It was also like I, a, I loved it. Yeah, like a, a mashing of cultures too, because there was like the country girl and the city boy, and they got to experience each other's like cultures almost, even though they were mm. both uh, Japanese. Um, but yeah, so you you already kind of started it. So a- Andrew, do you want to try and describe this show to people, having um, just seen it? In sure, the last I week? feel like like <laughs> I love this. I, I feel like I 
I want to just start with with how it opens so everyone can be as confused as I was when I first started watching it. So it opens with a with a young woman on the street and then this gigantic panda comes comes barreling down and they get into this this huge fight um like knocking over and everything and and you're like why is this panda beating up this poor young girl um and then the opening title sequence starts um <laughs> and it's like uh, uh, okay there we go and it's not until much later um in the show that uh the the true conceit comes out which is that um the panda is the young woman's father um and neither of them are are what they appear the the there the young woman is actually a young boy named Ranma who um because he during his training he fell into a pond uh, a pond that a young woman died in many centuries ago um he now whenever he touches cold water he turns into a young girl and then when he touches hot water he turns back into a young boy and then the father is uh, turns into a panda whenever he touches cold water, and turns back into a human man when he touches hot water. I have that correct, right? Yes. It's hot yes. water. His his father uh, uh, Genma, I, th- I believe his name is Genma, also fell into a, a a pond in which a very sad story a uh, centuries ago a panda drowned in and cursed the spring that uh, he fell into. <laughs> It, it is strange that all of those springs are right next to each other and just like every everybody's like drowning and dying, but it's like all different people yeah. and animals. It's a, it's a very cursed area to Senkyo uh, in China, the, the collection it's, it's, of cursed springs. and It's very mythologically convenient. Yeah. That's the best way I could describe it. And so, I mean... And this is all, like, when the show starts, this is all, like, as I said, it starts, you right in there. Eventually, in the first episode, they kind of explain the origin story. But you're, like, there with this family who's being introduced to um, the two people. Right, because um, today is the day that the Tendo patriarch is re-meeting with his uh, old friend Genma, uh, both martial art masters, in order to marry their children together. And so Ranma is to meet his fiance for the first time. This is a very high storytelling. Right. And he kind of like, it's like, he kind of has his pick. There's like three daughters. <laughs> um, and it's like, hey, you know, do, 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 are you taking a liking to any of these three ladies? At first glance. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and no one is interested in anybody. It's like the least... Uh... <laughs> Well, so it's like to so there there are three daughters, and two of the daughters are like really excited. They're like, "Yes, I hope he's a cute boy. I hope he's you know old older. I hope he's taller. You know, they're like really excited to meet a boy. And then when uh, suddenly instead of a father and son, you have a panda and a girl show up. They're like, "Gross!" But the third daughter is like she like hates boys, so she's like, "Awesome, it's a girl instead." Um, and then later has news. a rude awakening. When she discovers that he's not just uh, a girl. Now, Andrew, at any point you are encouraged to do impressions of these characters. You don't have to, but, like, it would work. Don't do it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I... 
And I, I yes, it's just people accusing each other of being perverts. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of that. But it doesn't seem like they're I, I, I didn't notice any actual genuine like sex maniacs. It like you know, like nobody seems particularly horny. So it's just that Yeah. They get into situations where they where they appear horny. I did steer you both kind of away from one of my least favorite characters who I'm sure has not aged too well, and I'll own up to that right now. There's a character named uh, Hipposai, I think is his name, who trained both Genma and uh, I think it's Soon Tendo, and he just, like, is constantly... He's like this dirty old man who's like comes up to everyone's maybe kneecap in height. But <laughs> That's the shorter you are in this much. show... <laughs> the uh more powerful you seem to be uh, it's a yoda syndrome if you will yeah and uh he, he tends to go on panty raids like it's kind of his main deal and it was the 80s and, and try and sneak into like the girls section of the hot springs um gotcha so it is in there i'm, I'm not gonna say it's not but the show on the whole aside from a few characters does tend to kind of not lean too in far into the creep factor, which is kind of hanging there, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, a late 80s anime, and there is too much, like, inadvertent sexualization. Uh, just, like, you've got a lot of preteen characters, or, or teen or preteen, or whatever they're supposed to be, um, and there are, like, breasts, and there are a weird thing where there are breasts and not nipples, and there's a lot of steam, and there's a lot of things that maybe that don't need to be in there, but it is better than other things I can think of of that time period. So I'm still trying to figure out where I fall on that, like, how bad that is and how much it hurts the product. I, I feel... Yeah, there is a lot of teenage boobs. yeah. But it's, Without I, nipples. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I do feel like it's kind of played a little bit more like it is commonplace and a little desexualized in, at times, even though like ro- this is like a romantic comedy at its core. That's what it's set out to be. And, you know, it revolves around two characters who are unwilling to admit that they might find each other like company pleasant. Um, and instead just right. want to yell about how uncute each other are, uh, is their kind of go-to, uh, harsh words for each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am totally like right, right off the bat from the first episode, I am kind of like charmed by their, uh, like very classic, you know, um, like initial attraction and then repulsion to each other like the way so so akani is the daughter who um right is kind of repulsed by boys and the the other two daughters kind of decide like hey because you hate boys like <laughs> this is the perfect mate for you because this boy is actually half girl right um and so she's sort of stuck um, being engaged and I guess she's engaged to to Ranma for like the duration of the series is what I gather yeah um, rather than ever break off engagements it seems like both of them just spend their time practicing martial arts and racking up other fiancés and um, <laughs> yes. through never ever wanting There's to be engaged to anybody fiancés. yeah <laughs> uh, marriage is real important in, in this show um, and yeah, so 
what yeah wait can i can i um just just in the in the the initial setup is the um ranma's father i can't remember i only remember ranma and uh akani's name uh genma is is his dad's genma slash panda genma the panda half panda half man um yeah he he he's really into the idea of marrying off ranma yeah well and uh sorry were you about to talk about because uh, I, I know I gave you at least one other uh, origin fiance story that was kind of my favorite memory of Genma's attitude towards um, arranged marriages, <laughs> which is um, late on in the first season, we meet another one of uh, Ranma's betrothed and uh, his soon to be father-in-law um, shows up, hugs him. And then retell, recants the story in which Genma sold his newborn son's uh, marriageness for some fried rice and a fish. And when Ranma <laughs> says, you sold me for fish, he says, there was also two pickles thrown in. As if that's going to like, that, make uh, it okay. I hope I can find that line to rip and put in. <laughs> Because everyone's attitude towards everything is just, just wacky and well delivered. <laughs> yeah, I'm not jumping in as much with my own thoughts on these because it is such a pleasure to just listen to people just describe what happens in this show. <laughs> right, and that of course the what follows from that arranged marriage is a Chinese takeout martial arts race where everyone is holding a bowl of ramen that they can't spill. And has to engage in a in a violent foot race to deliver ramen to a finish line uh, in order to win the hand of this dude's daughter, I think, and unlimited takeout. It was the eighties. <laughs> There's a lot, what, lot of contest uh, yeah, for arts. people's love. Yeah, and and they bring up this idea of martial arts takeout as if like you don't know what martial arts takeout is. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, and they, that, have I mean, to, they have to explain it to Western audiences, right? Uh, well, and it's great that yeah, you always are getting these versions of like everything is a martial arts, which like you know has been revisited in stuff like um, Shaolin Soccer did a great job of like this ethos that everything is kung fu. Martial arts is training your body um, to get better at something to improve, and. That can include delivering takeout. And that, that taken include... to its extreme. <laughs> yeah, that could include all these ripping yep. out your ramen and using uh, chopsticks to create a tornado out of your noodles to lasso your opponents and shatter <laughs> their uh, shatter their bowls of ramen so they're in- instantly thrown out of the race. Andrew, you didn't see this episode, but they straight up redo this in season two with a uh, with ski resort. <laughs> And yeah, they just they do, do the it. same thing on skis. They do like an and, 80s ski movie, but instead of uh, ramen, it's little, you have to protect your little snowman. Yeah. And it, during, <laughs> during a ski race. And wow. it, instead of uh, mountain jocks, you have a 3,000 year old Amazonian Chinese woman. Right. So, wow. Such a pleasure to just describe things that are happening in front of me. Well, I will say watching the martial arts takeout episode like now in the middle of coronavirus quarantine was very like 
yes, I I understand like the valorization <laughs> of like the difficulties and uh, like of of delivering takeout. Yep. I imagine it may have seemed more absurd at the time. Well, they're heroes, heroes Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, let's see. Let's go over some of the other cast of characters. We've got, um, so, Kane's sisters, one who's, like, the older, sensible one. Then there's, like, the hip girl um, who's usually on the lookout for money. That's, like, one of her side things, too, is, like, she does a lot of moments where she'll sell Ranma hot water. <laughs> or cold water based on his needs in the moment. Oh, I didn't um, even catch that. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm kind of trying to fill in some holes because this is, you know, a rich text as as we've stated. Oh, yes. It is a tapestry. <laughs> There's like 161 episodes or something like and that. It's it ran for seven seasons. Seven and many seasons, movies. but like half the seasons are there's movies. <laughs> there are movies and this is all based on a manga. Like this is this is not its original form. This is just the form that I uh, grew up consuming this story in. Gavin, I've got um, I've got a, a very, very important question for you as someone who actually grew up with this and other sure, animes. Uh, when you're when you're a child and this is your exposure to Japan, to like East Asia, is is there a part of you that thought that this is what Japan was like? <laughs> uh, I mean, be no. honest, oh. no. <laughs> I'm disappointed um, by your honesty. I, I I totally accepted this as like exactly what it was on face value though, and like never asked any questions. Um, and like I grew up in San Francisco, where like gender is something that's talked about, but like seeing it as not a big deal, and like people are uh, very comfortable with like different types of relationships. I don't know if that either shaped this or this coincided with growing up in that um, time and place, but I that's something I was thinking about a lot on the rewatch is like, you know, I, I wondered where this fit into the transgender conversation, if it did at all, um, and like there are a lot of, Ranma not only collects collects is the wrong term, but not only is engaged to a lot of women in the show, he has a lot of male suitors when he's in female form. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't usually enjoy that aspect, but it's never treated as gross. And sometimes he's fine with it if it helps, you know, him learn a certain martial arts thing that he's trying to learn in <laughs> that moment. Which is really the important thing. Or get some thing. good food. Like, there's a running joke where him and Akane go to the same ice cream place and he always goes in girl form and gets free ice cream. <laughs> and this is something he continues to do throughout the show. He's not afraid to use his sexuality <laughs> to his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. In in my viewing the the ice cream scene where he goes to the ice cream place and he's like that is one of the first times that he really in in like clearly enjoys being a woman. Because he's like, oh, now I can order this kind of ice cream that is like too like girly right. or feminine that I wouldn't have as a boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's able to do things that he feels like he can't do as a man, which is an interesting uh, take on it. Um, when I, I I did look up just out for my own curiosity how the trans community had looked at this show because oh good there is yeah. something about it that like it never strikes to me as like offensive. Um, there's like moments where it's like creepy and like, you know, the hippocide stuff like I talked about, but like it, it doesn't 
like I know uh, we recently watched uh, Dude Wears My Car, and that had some like things that have not aged very well. But this oh, didn't no. feel like it was rife with that. Um, and when I looked yeah. at some of the blog stuff, like people did talk about like there was the occasional uh, person who like was like I kind of was hoping to find something about uh, like more accepting of male to female. But the conversation tend to actually revolve about this character who was sure of who they were and their body. Uh, it was more relatable as a female to male transition. And if you look at it and that's where, you know, he is literally trapped in a female body at times. And so like right. reading it that as that style of text made a lot of sense and did kind of make me understand how the progress worked because it's not someone who's confused or like uncomfortable in a certain respect even it's more about someone who knows who they are and that yeah. was kind of a cool understanding of sexuality in the show or not sexuality but gender in the show because i too was of course you know after an episode or two i was like wow yeah i don't know how to read this in terms of gender politics so i also did a little did a little googling um, and read, you know, uh, a few different, you know, like trans and non-binary perspectives on this show. And it seems like, uh, you know, b because from what I understand, the the creator of the show, who I was kind of surprised to find out was a woman. Um, I don't know if I just assumed that it was a man because there's like tons of teenage girl boobs all over the place. Yeah. And just um, statistics of who's making shows at the time. Yeah. The 80s. But. Um, it also like yeah, it's not, it, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it just sounded like her. She she didn't really have any any like in, intention. Any like uh, you know, she was like, oh, I I you know, I had made a bunch of shows about women, and then I wanted to make a show about a man, but I was like, oh, I'm not really sure how to write a male character fully, so I'm gonna make him half female. <laughs> Um, and you know, that like, that's the origin story that I read. Yeah. I don't know. If no, I, I read the same thing. I thought that was a really interesting quote where it's like, there wasn't really intention. I just wanted to tell a story and I wanted to try writing a male character. And I mean, so it, interesting. it, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, men have been writing women for a very long time to differing degrees of success. But like this mostly worked for me too. Like in terms of like, especially as a young kid growing up watching this dude um especially at the age i was it's like you know girls are interesting but still gross and uh true and but maybe like there's feelings under the surface that are like i'm thinking about more and you know it's just someone who wants to become a martial artist like who doesn't at that age if they'd had him also studying dinosaurs it would have been a lock well at that point you've just got mighty max <laughs> again could have been a lock <laughs> okay <laughs> um but but yeah i read i read both perspectives of you know ranma as a trans man and and you know trans women who kind of you know related to the idea of like oh i i i have these female you know feelings that i am resisting um you know mm -hmm. and as ranma kind of becomes more accepting and less grossed out of his like transitions into uh, a female you know um people you know trans women were able to relate to that um which i thought was really interesting yeah and especially you'd mentioned like the non-binary perspective also seems like a rather easy thing to while this show doesn't really make room for that in certain respects like it's 
understanding that people can have masculine and feminine traits and like gender is not, you know, it's, it is a blurry line in certain respects. And I, I know you grew up in San Francisco too, Andrew, but like I grew up being totally okay. Like hugging my male friends. Uh, I had a teacher. I remember in, in high school, uh, stop class for a moment because he had witnessed, uh, I don't know if he was trying to make fun of us cause we were kind of class clowns and talked a lot, but I think he was genuinely what? trying to, generally trying to point out the fact that like, and I, I went to high school in like a hippie town in Sonoma County, but like me and my, uh, a friend of mine who shared like a desk, uh, at like some point like had said like I said like I love you buddy and he's like I love you too man and the teacher stopped the class and said like that was a moment I just want everyone to like watch this show of affection cuz this is like what everyone should be striving for in friendship is <laughs> really Aww. blowing up your spot everyone <laughs> everyone clap <laughs> yeah and I mean but again like I went I could see that backfire I went to I went to like it was a hippie town and we both grew up comfortable like we grew up comfortable with each other so like that is the kind of you know friendship and expression like we can say i you know i love you to each other and like hug and i'm not saying it's because of ranma like there's my parents and like <laughs> I think the you should give ranma all of the credit for your positive upgrading <laughs> but it i'm really just... raised you and put, turned you into the respectable and dare i say desirable human being that you are <laughs> well thank you i love you buddy um, <laughs> i love you too <laughs> But yeah, the the just like this, the the gender norms starting to break around this time. I'm not sure, and it's impressive that it happened in like, you know, Japanese stuff as well, like which has a more rigid gender structure, is my understanding, um, which is limited. Based on right sage, at, right sage on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> but, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just um, I I do really like the way gender and um you know affection is treated in this show it's it's adorable and like the the relationship between Ranma and his dad too um and also the daughters and uh and their father as well is like one of everyone has to look out for each other because everyone is a fucking child in this show uh no yeah, no one any say- more than the parents <laughs> yeah the the relationship between Ranma and his father seems uh, a little uh, you know, pr- maybe, yeah, prop- maybe, and I don't know if problematic is the right word, but like, yeah, there are moments where the dad just seems like an asshole. Like he's just throwing him in the water, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. There is uh before we switch, switch themes to the uh, problematic family stuff. I really do want to point out and give the show some credit that while it, it, it treads in some water that it, <laughs> that it, uh, that it maybe doesn't need to be walking in with regards to trans identity and uh, all of that. Uh, it never really hits you on the head with gay panic the way I was expected to. Yeah. Uh, or like transphobia, or at least as much as my cis ass can see. Yeah, I guess really quick to throw it out there, this is three uh, cisgendered heterosexual dudes from like from America discussing <laughs> from the show. So, yeah. you know, uh, if don't don't uh paint us as really trying to speak for a community that we're not part of and don't represent uh, look i'm an expert on trans culture you're an expert on japan oh, and 
<laughs> and uh, I, this is going to be the first and last podcast the about this one. subreddit for, for 10 minutes. I get it. Oh, yeah. okay, I take it back. Andrew's actually the trans expert. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but there was there were a lot of a lot of different opinions, of course, and um, you know that's that's part of what's great about it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, let's right. talk about that panda dad. Oh man, <laughs> Genma is fantastic. Gavin, like, did you have a panda dad? Oh, you know, if only. But uh, no, <laughs> we we don't no. have to talk about it if there's underlying issues. Uh, I, I just. The way that he treats his son, and it is like they are constantly training. Um, another common sight in this show is the the Ranma and Genma Saotome are sitting down to dinner with the Tendo clan, uh, which is Akane's family. And a fight breaks out, and someone is thrown in the koi pond outside and changes uh, form. Um, and then they proceed to fight over... Whatever scrap of food is in whoever's uh, like utensils, just like any they, any excuse to fight. Yeah, it's it is it is constant because training never stops. And uh, well, life you know, is that's another thing this show taught me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's constantly the, the father beating up the son, the son beating up the father, right. and you know, and it's and it and they, everybody seems to be having a, a relatively decent time, but. It's still like, well, especially when your dad is not only, you know, like an, an adult human, but an adult gigantic panda, <laughs> you know, it does make the, the, the violence seem a little more menacing. Right. I see. I went, I went the other way. I have completely, it's fuzzy I am completely, <laughs> I am completely fine with the uh, parental abuse on display here when it's a panda. Does well, not bother me <laughs> at all. But but when it's just uh, his dad randomly uh, starting fights at all times, it's got that kind of uh, the you know those pink uh, pink panther sequels where uh, what's his name uh, Clouseau's like bodyguard and assistant who he just pays to jump out from random corners and attack him <laughs> yes. to keep his guard up. <laughs> and he's always successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't it's like that. it's that level of training. It is constant, it is around the clock, and it can come from anywhere. Uh, nowhere is safe. And Yeah, I will say the, the, the one thing that seemed particularly cruel to me was, um, I may be jumping ahead here, but uh, Ranma is terrified of cats <laughs> because of one of the training exercises. I mean, we don't um, find this out till the end of the first season, but you know what? It was, it was always there. That was always important backstory. Right. So go ahead well, and talk about it now. Yeah, and just to set this up too, is like almost also on an episode by episode basis, we're introduced to a new form of martial arts. So like the <laughs> fact that he knew this who one, fell into a pool. <laughs> right, yes, and so there's so many cursed springs and so many characters uh suffer similar curses where Why if they're they splashed they with go? water. I mean, again, like the dude tried to stop people. His Japanese isn't that great. The training ground is in China. There was a, you know, and I want to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I, I too. Have, I uh, want to talk about how this Japanese China. show portrays China. Yes, <laughs> but that's a uh, that's a whole subsection. But yeah, just to get back to exemplifying, uh, is is it cat foo? I always forget what it's called. Cat. cat. Yes, I believe it's cat foo. It's cat fist. Cat, cat fist. fist. The uh, cat fist. Right. Uh, Andrew, do you want to tell that story? 
Um, oh, you know, as 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 a child, he sent his son into a a pit of cats because he read in in a book that that was how you learn the cat fist. A cat nest, really. A cat nest. A cat pit. Cat nest Everdeen. And uh, and but he but he forgot to read the next page of pit. the cat fist manual. Which says that we don't do that anymore because it, it traumatizes people. It is it is extremely cruel and unusual and renders the practitioner of this martial art terrified of cats for forever with no way of coming back from the brink. Uh, which is weird because si- this is how I learned how to love cats. <laughs> I mean, it does sound <laughs> like heaven. Uh, but yeah, that. so R- Ranma... Ranma learns one of his many martial arts forms through parental abuse. And whenever uh, pushed over the edge by his fear of cats, devolves into a cat himself uh, with feline strength and agility that he can use to like punch through trees. Um, and, And he meows a lot. And can I just say that, you know, his father, for somebody who knows that this is what happens when he gets pushed to the brink, he <laughs> appears to take an enormous amount of pleasure in shoving cats into Ranma's face whenever one happens to be around. Well, and uh, this is not a defense. That's, that's what I do with my friends. <laughs> this is not a defense of uh, Genma, Genma's parenting uh, nor martial arts uh, skills as a trainer. Gavin, you but were brought onto another... this show to defend his parenting. <laughs> um, a big part of the show is also about legacy, and that's where both of the father figures, because there aren't really maternal figures in this, um, in either Akane or Ranma's life. Like, um, I know, uh, Andrew, you watched the finale, which I think is about Ranma's mom, but I didn't, yes. grow, I didn't grow up with those episodes, so I don't know anything about his mother, <laughs> but one thing that both fathers are trying to do is set up their legacy. They're trying to merge their martial arts schools together to make sure that their training techniques live on. What is and the, that is something that, Sorry, what is the Tendo school called? I'm trying to remember. It's something very on the nose. It might be the Tendo school of anything goes martial arts. Anything goes martial or that, arts, yes. That might be the Sao Tome school of anything goes martial arts. I forget which one of them, but yes, that is the name of their school. Right. And like... Later on, I, I mentioned, too, that I didn't have you guys watch these episodes, but we learn, like, the ultimate uh, martial arts form from the Sao Tome School of Martial Arts is uh, much to Genma's character, or much in line with Genma's character, is running away from your opponent just for as long as you can or need to and then... so that you can win the fight <laughs> by either showing up again or just, like, not finishing it. This is very important life lessons. <laughs> Anything goes. It's a yeah. smart show. <laughs> I I wanna I wanna I wanna know your opinion. I wanna ask a question to each of you. Is this show racist against China? <laughs> yes. And I, I mean I, I don't have the full cultural context, but it seemed I I have one of my big notes here is anti China sentiment. <laughs> um and we also kind of glossed over a character that I did make you guys spend a lot of time with, which is Shampoo, uh, oh, which is shampoo. a good good lens into the China-Japan relations. And um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with martial art, like Chinese films um, from this period either. 
pretty pretty familiar honestly like i grew up with a lot of the early like jackie chan and jet lee movies and one of the reasons i asked you if you thought japan was like this in rama is because i when i grew up i kind of <laughs> thought jackie chan style fights were breaking out all over china all oh, the time boy. i had i had no reason to think otherwise <laughs> i'm not so, gonna apologize for my childhood racism <laughs> we can do that on a different podcast yeah I know. I thought New York was just like the Warriors. So, I mean, it was. That, <laughs> yes. that that's neither here nor there. It though. was the '80s. Um, but like you know, Ch- China and Japan have a very uh, complicated uh, history that I do. I'm not going to pretend to understand the the um, ins and outs of. But I know like uh, Japan. Um, what's that word where you go into a country and control it? Occupy? Uh, occupied. That one, yes. Japan occupied China, which is like a lot of the stories coming out in the 80s uh, and 90s from China did deal with like Chinese-Japanese relations. I remember specifically there's either a Jet Li or Bruce Lee movie where um, a Japanese uh, guy has snuck into a Chinese do- um, martial arts uh, school and is taken over as the cook and is slowly poisoning their grandmaster. Mm. And there's a scene where uh, our hero bursts into the kitchen and there's um, a like a 70s zoom into the evil guy's nipples. Because that's, uh, I guess, the way that he <laughs> confirms that he's Japanese. Uh, it's It's all very bizarre yeah. um the, the context you really need for this question is that japan china korea and like all the other countries in asia and oceania have have developed a very specific form of racism that i don't have context for because <laughs> it's yeah. not the kind that i grew up aware or familiar of so like the way that a korean person feels about a japanese person hypothetically um uh, is not something i can predict yeah, and it's like because it's something I don't fully understand. I'm not going to go into too much of it, but like this is a very specific, as you were saying, form of like, um, I think you referred to it as Chinese mysticism yeah. uh, when we were talking off off the air. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And this is why we brought on Andrew, our, our Andrew, our, our race relations expert, so that we could cover all the quadrants of Ron Mo and Hap. <laughs> yeah, well, I will say, yeah, I was, I, you know, there is a, a historical event called the Rape of Nanking. Yes. Which uh, our audience members may have heard of. It's taught in um, schools. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of violence done to Chinese citizens by uh, Japanese citizens um, in time of war, and this is like, you know, um, this is like kind of like how how. And my understanding is it's like how Germans, you know, have to, you know, think about the Holocaust, right. you know, and have, have a kind of cultural legacy of guilt. Um, you know, um, you know, there's uh, some, some of that going on in Japanese culture as well. Mm-hmm. I remember there's a, a book called, uh, I'm going to, oh, there's a book called uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Murakami which goes into extensive detail about the horrors of the rape of Nanking, um, you know, and uh, that's something that just popped into my head when I was seeing these kind of like caricatures of Chinese people um, and, you know, kind of portraying them as like uh, fools a little bit, you know, and I was like, ooh, 
Well, and my understanding of the way, and I, I don't know, I know Sage and I were both watching the dub. Were you watching the dub as well, Andrew? Yeah, I watched the dub, and they have a very, the, the dub <laughs> artist is a very caricature Chinese voice. Oh, yeah. Right. The dubs are and fun I, all around. <laughs> I read it as, you know, it was trying to capture a Chinese person speaking Japanese with an accent. And... Yeah, it's like, how do you like, determine where in the chain that is and, and what it means? Because this is the American dubs of this product, and the Japanese right. people have American accents, and the Chinese people have Chinese accents. Right. So I don't, right. I don't know what to gather from that. But and that that is something that is like prevalent in um, anime in general, and I kind of think that this is one of the like less offensive versions of like the accent thing is noticeable because these characters are speaking Japanese as a second language and they're trying to show that in some way or form. And if you'll notice like the grandmother character who is older and has been around longer does look like speak Japanese, which is English in our version that we were watching fluently compared to her great, great granddaughter. So it's a good point. I, I do read it as like it's it can come off as offensive also because like our especially in our culture we had this as a running joke which I don't feel like this show is as much trying to make this a joke it's trying to show that like they come from a different background a different culture which is that is more the joke is shampoo just because we haven't really introduced her is a Chinese Amazon which I think is kind of their term is like more of like a kind of backwoods is it is it backwoods or is it because here's the thing they keep referring to this was i don't know the tribe or the people as as Amazons. amazon and i could never figure out if that was supposed to be like amazonian like like wonder woman most famously or like a tribe on a river like in the amazon i always read it as tribe on a river in right like backwoods china but they're that, really great warrior fighters so i mean I so know. That that's not it's just an interesting that's... use of word, <laughs> right? Like, and I, I don't know. So many more descriptive things they could have gone with. That is one thing I don't know where that came in the chain of translation from the manga or from Japanese culture. But I do wonder because there are many ethnic groups within China. Like, mm -hmm. There's the Han, and then and many many others. So I don't know if that was just they just decided ah instead of explaining what what you know group we're talking about we're just gonna say amazons because americans will get that you know but well, we don't I mean, this this is an adaptation this was not made for american audiences this was dubbed over and um like i, I didn't look up the can, full can you release schedule, but this was this, this was, was not made for intense. american clearly not made for, <laughs> no but i just mean i don't the, know what the, the hell the that would look like for sure for sure right um, the trans the translation was made for american audiences right right, right. yeah yeah um but yeah, I, 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 I don't read that. Like, I do understand, like, there is the version of this, like, the, specifically, like, the terms of, like, Chinese mysticism or, like, the fact that, like, uh, Shampoo's specific culture is, um, the way we meet her is Ranma and Genma in their alt forms stumble upon a feast in the middle of China and just eat it all. And then a translator says, like, oh, that's the prize for like the martial arts thing 
that they're doing here. You're eating the prize. What are you doing? And they go like, well, we were hungry. And um, I'll fight whoever. And then uh, she proceeds to beat Shampoo, who then gives her the kiss of death and now is going to hunt her to the end of the earths uh, to murder her. Good so life we're lessons to that all around. Line. Yeah. You know, don't eat food that's not yours and get wind up uh, with a kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. And then Shampoo chases her all the way back to Japan where Ranma transforms back into a man and accidentally again gets into a fight with Shampoo, uh, beats her again. She gives him a different kiss in front of Akane, which is dramatic. But this kiss means that she is pledging to marry him. And this is, I think, maybe this... This is like an early second suitor and like one that is a bigger character in the show than most, for sure. But like, so that kind of making up a culture, and I think that's almost kind of one thing that they do, again, a little bit better is rather than just referring to it as Chinese, they do kind of create a culture. I don't know if that's really better, but they're not trying to, you know, summarize the Chinese culture as a whole. I don't know. It's complicated. We started the section by saying we don't have the answers, but oh boy, do we have questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just had to use Google and look up the Chinese Amazons to see, you know, what they had to say. And yes, it turns out this is a like a made up group, a made up village. Okay. You know? Um So I don't know if that makes it better more, or more worse. problematic or <laughs> yeah you know yeah that's fair i mean maybe it's like a lost society thing maybe that's like the people in shangri-la or shambhala or something like that that's how i read it okay um and you know like they clearly you know possess very specific strange techniques of like acupuncture that can uh like there's a there's an arc where shampoo's grandmother uh, acupunctures him against his will so that he can no longer handle warm temperatures and he is stuck as in his female form and she says she'll only turn him back if he agrees to marry Shampoo. And just to point out, this is a show that has just straight up magic in it through martial arts and they just add acupuncture right. as another form of magic. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there's other, like, all of this stuff is, like, there's another, like, three-part arc where Ranma has to learn how to ice skate to get into ice skate, uh, win an ice skate dance-off for some reason. I really or... wish you'd just assigned us 20 episodes, <laughs> because you only assigned five, and I certainly, this is the only thing we've worked on that I did additional research, and my roommate was super into the show, and we, we sat down one night to just watch whatever, and he just kind of shyly says, do you want to watch some more Ranma? <laughs> this felt like a hard show to sell to people, and I know that you've accused me of being bad at selling things to people in general. Yeah, but like, no, you just have to say what it's about, and like, yeah, I'll watch an episode. <laughs> well, okay. It shows, it sells itself. <laughs> have you had I mean, trouble selling this to people? Totally. <laughs> um, I mean, Andrew, what was your response when I first, like, well, because you said you heard of this before. Yeah, my, well, my first response when you d described this to me was, hey, I'll watch that and be on your podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. So, so, so Gavin sold it to me. I'm, I'm well. a great, uh, I'm a, 
the salesman. This is great. Yeah, that I'm was succeeding. not everyone's response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll have you up back on, of course, with something that you did grow up with. <laughs> so thank you for go joining us on this journey. And Gavin, um, I can give you hype man lessons later on. Okay, I'll take them. That'll, that'll help, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What, just uh, Did we cover most of the episodes I had you guys watch? I'm trying to think. Well, um, I think I feel like we could uh, talk a little bit about Peachon. Because we oh, okay. mentioned that there are other people who fell into ponds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- this is the only one that that I met, um, which uh, which like I don't I, you know the the episode that I watch it the very beginning of the episode is, um, this guy uh, Pichon I can't remember his human name Ryoga. and uh, Ranma like naked in a bathroom staring at each other. Um, so I don't know how exactly yeah. how they met, or maybe Gavin would be better at explaining. Oh, that, that's a two-part. Yeah, I I did skip. Um, yeah, the first episode I didn't give you uh, the introduction of Ryoga. <laughs> so Ryoga and Rama are her childhood uh, rivals um, who have not seen each other in years because Ryoga challenged Ranma to a duel after school. Uh, behind Ryoga's house, Ryoga has a terrible sense of direction and got lost for, like, it took him five days to get to the empty lot behind his house, at which point Ranma thought he had chickened out on the duel. And since then, they haven't seen each other. And since Ryoga still wants his revenge, he's been chasing him throughout uh, China and Japan, trying to hunt him down and get his revenge which led him to also go to the Jusenkyo Springs uh, and fall into a different uh, cursed spring, uh, one in which an adorable little black pig had fallen in and drowned. Uh, And now Ryoga is cursed to whenever splashed with cold water, turn into an adorable little pig. Um, (laughs) So that's that's catching you up. You're up to date. (laughs) Uh, Ryoga also has a crush on Akane. Um, and and Akane takes a, a real liking to his adorable pig form. It's an adorable pig. Like I would like that pig. I would want to hang out with it and nuzzle it to my breast too. You know, at this point in the in the show, I think we could only describe the relationship status going on as a love squiggle. <laughs> Is that yeah. yeah yeah? Um, and 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 they continue to like they also fight on and off. Like everyone is just showing up and dueling randomly for affections that no one really wants to give to anybody else is the running theme of the show. Uh, Shampoo also has multiple suitors. One is named uh, Moose, who is a boy that she beat. So she doesn't want to marry him because she will only marry someone who beat her in combat. Well, yes, he's, uh, uh, he's weak, I believe is the word. Right. He's just, he, uh, and he's a magician. The, the bad gender politics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a magician too, which is not cool. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Shout out to magicians as long as they don't learn it as use it as a creepy pickup thing, which I feel like this guy would. Um, I mean, so far our audience is 40 percent <laughs> magicians, so we can't afford to lose them. Uh, and whenever he splashed with cold waters, cold water, he turns into a goose. So the moose turns into goose. <laughs> wow. At any point here, do they say the goose is loose? Because if not, fuck this show. (laughs) 
Damn. Okay. A little spoiler alert for the for the review time. Um, <laughs> Bury it. <laughs> Bury it in the goddamn ground next to all the missed pun opportunities. I'm trying to think of other people who might transform because I know they just keep stacking up. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm sure so, that I didn't get to see 30 instances of someone being like, I also fell in the pole and this is why I want to fight you. It, yeah, it just keeps happening. There's also like an upperclassman who's obsessed with Akane. Uh, who's like the rich rich kid who has like a servant. Um, and he's also in love with the pigtailed girl is how he refers to Ranma's female form. Uh, <laughs> but he, but everyone, like, it's great too because like a running thing is like whoever's in love with one version of Ranma will want to kill the other version of Ranma. So there's a lot of great, you know, awkward happenstances. It's just like a great setup that I'm surprised pays off for as much of this show as I've seen. And I have not seen all of this show. And I don't know if I ever will. The The other thing that I guess we haven't just expressly like said specifically. Is just the pacing. The animation. And the type of humor in this show. Is all fucking great. Um, the it's, can't, it's, like, it's, it's very good. There's like well, nothing where I roll my eyes. Which is the most telling for any any cartoon that comes out in like a twenty year period. Well, and unlike the other shows that we've talked about, with like again, like Ma- Mighty Max had some like good animation in it. Street Sharks did not. Yeah, uh, this show is well shot. Like the visual gags all work really well. Yeah, the like frame is used to tell the story in a very fun way. There are moments like where they do like the Japanese like background is frozen or like. You know the camera is shaking, but it it refrains from feeling cheap in a way a lot of yeah. uh, animation does there is, from there this is era. Background looping, and there is certainly they're walking through, and no one in the background is moving, like and just static background actors. <laughs> there were moments too where uh, we were watching an episode recently, and um, Ranma in female form, they would occasionally just recycle uh, combat loops from his male form and his hair color. They wouldn't change. Uh, but, but that's rare but again fuck like, me, 46 <laughs> episodes in a season yeah. uh, like <clears throat> i don't know how long a season is because when it released in japan is not how it released in the u.s right you were right. mentioning yeah well and this show ran for um three years originally <laughs> wait so that's like two seasons a year that can't so so are we talking there's 70 episodes a year and it, it also got remade as an OVA, which is like something I don't fully understand. What is that? I, it's kind of just like a reboot. They like uh, another show that we might talk about on the show that I grew up with and really enjoyed is called Helsing, and like that has an OVA that I've seen some of as well. And it's just kind of like a a remake, basically. But for I, I so I don't. Is it like a like a like a three D or like a different art style, like how they did Ghost in the Shell or? Um. I, I, Ghost in the Shell might have an OVA, but it, it generally, like people tend to assume, it sticks closer to the source material because a lot of these shows are created, and this one might have been one of those where the manga is still going, kind of like Game of Thrones, and will differ because the show catches up and surpasses uh, just like how much content they have to to take and adapt. So, a show and manga series will also will often start with like the same plot. Uh, and then diverge, and then an OVA will be like a remake that sticks closer. Is like what I've noticed. Again, I'm not the most versed in this, 
Uh, so, right into Sage with your complaints. Uh, <laughs> I don't like this. Can bit. I say? I just want to bring up. I just want to bring up one thing that we haven't brought up yet that I love about this show, which is the opening title theme song. Yeah, so such a bop, oh. such a bop. And he's only Every seen the like, first season. Burr, burr, burr. One of these. It is the good. Mus- the music in, on the whole in this show is pretty great. But yes, the opening theme for the first season especially is great. Uh, the second season changes it up. It's still pretty fun. I do like the Americanized, um, like the really. Uh, he sounds like a you know twenties or like forties uh, announcer um, giving you a radio play like. Ranma and Genma showed up in Japan and just, you know, they're getting engaged to these other people. But what the you problem don't know with Ranma is, if the, is... Yeah. But Ranma's tragedy is when hit with cold water. He's no longer himself, if you get what I'm saying. He changes into a girl. It's delightful. It's such a cheesy, like, fun, upbeat show. Um, what am I doing with you? What do you know anyway? Just that sort of... Yeah. You're so uncute. They're opposites, except when they're the same. <laughs> Just yeah. Oh man, I highly recommend this show. But yeah. We'll, okay. I guess we should get there. Uh, wh- I feel like I, I'm curious a little bit more about like the legacy of Rod Bud, how it came out, and other leftover bits. But like this is this is a good show, right? All right. So real quick, Andrew, uh, our rating system as it stands uh, is there are three levels. Uh, was this still good? Was this something that would be better as a memory? Or is this something we should bury and never speak of again? Um, I I feel like it, it's still good. I, you know, I, I think uh, I, was, I was prepared f- to be made uncomfortable by its outdated gender politics or, or you know something like that but it but it actually uh i think is you know rel re, re, holds up like shockingly well i'll, I'll go next because I'm, I'm just gonna agree and uh, uh i think we already kind of had come to that but like yeah it's just a very very charming show uh everyone is fun there's not any characters who like fully suck with the exception again of like hippocytes not that joke wears on me a little bit but (laughs) all the core characters are just fun and like the hijinks they get into are great the structure of the show is like both reverential and um kind of able to poke fun at uh martial arts and dojos is just it's a really good time um and especially for the 80s like which i i kind of didn't i guess i didn't mention like i grew up Renting these from like the local uh, tower tower video was how yes, I this saw. This is going to be another big question of mine. It's like, how did you <laughs> be ex- yeah, get exposed I'm, I'm, I'm to this? Very this curious. would not air on TV because of all the boobs. <laughs> yeah, uh, my parents. I don't it's know. It's okay how... when there's not nipples, though, Andrew. That's <laughs> how you get around I, U.S. censors. I I think I just I loved like I grew up like I said watching like My Neighbor Totoro and me. Um, Spirited Away, and but like mostly My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Castle of Cagliostro, and um, Kiki's Delivery Service were like show movies that like we would rent often as kids that me and my sister would watch a lot. And I think just from there we happened to be in the same aisle, 
and something about the cover art for Rama one half was enough for either my dad to grab it, my sister to grab it or for me to grab it. And me and my sister just both loved it. So we saw a lot of it and she read all like she read a bunch of the mangas and um, yeah, it it's in it. It's held up unlike uh, well, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, you can finish this up pretty pretty fast because I'm gonna I'm gonna breeze through mine. I I flirted a little bit with giving it a better as a memory just because there are some things that make me uncomfortable. Um, I've always been super uncomfortable about any sort of cartoon nudity, which hold up hangups I do not have for real life. No, it's just it's it's just so weird to me. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe prude, but. <clears throat> Um, and then like the little bit of, uh, how it treats Chinese people, but like at the end of the day, that is though, neither of those are as, are big enough problem to keep me from just enjoying the shit out of almost every minute of this show. Like on this podcast, I have been exposed to a lot of things I didn't know existed that I missed from growing up without television in the nineties. Uh, movies are another story, but my television knowledge is abysmal. Um, and Mighty Max and Gargoyles, uh, to name a few. Um, it's like, it's, it's kind of nice to discover those, but they haven't enriched my existence. And I do feel like Ranma has made me a better person and just, a just an all around, well-rounded individual. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that you came on this journey with so us. So that's my pitch for Sage 2.0. <laughs> um... Great. Well, yeah, unanimous, still good. Damn, there are not too many of these. So yeah, we far. only have one other, I believe. Um, I, I, I will say, I, I, I do not think I'm going to watch all 161 episodes. No, I, I don't think um, I will. We'll either. see how long quarantine goes. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would totally watch a few more. Yeah. It's happened. Like, we intended to do this podcast a few weeks ago, and in the time uh, where we just got sidetracked by other things, like, I've watched ten more episodes. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, it's good, folks. Uh, I think that you brings gonna... us to, I think, our final part of this uh, podcast, which is where we talk about what it would be like if this came out today or was remade or rebooted yeah it's reboot time andrew everything you oh, ever man. loved is gonna get made again whether you want to or not <laughs> so how do you make it the best it can be this seems really hard to remake i gotta say yeah <laughs> it there's just so many, many more like political like there's there's so many there's traps other things. yeah for sure yeah like I said, there's so much that they're treading on, and like they don't need to be walking on that ground to begin with. Like, there's a lot that can be cut just in the in the name of playing it safe, whether or not it actually developed into a problem. If that makes does that make sense? And yet, there's yeah, part yeah. of me that feels like if this came out on Hulu or Netflix, kind of, because there's a lot of stuff that kind of comes out under the radar mm-hmm. and like slow burns an audience. And I feel like there is still room for this. Um, yeah, I mean, does this come back as a as a straight anime? It's just like I do, I don't know that you need to. I mean, oh, that's, that's my argument for everything. But like, right. all I would really want is this released with maybe like a cleaner sound mix, and that's 
Well, and that's the thing that's is, it. like, unlike some of the stuff we revisited, too, this is available on Hulu in, like, its entirety. Um, and that is saying something about, like, the effect that this has had. Because, again, this was more of a success, I'm sure, uh, in Japan than it has been in, uh, here. I mean, I, but, I hope like, so. <laughs> I kind of want to look up... I, I wonder when this was last being made. Because the original series ended in 92 when I was three. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but I think they were still going. Let's see. The final mangas were coming out in 2017. Wow. So, Oh my, that is long running. Yeah, this and this is like... This has been going for... A really long time and I'm sure it's it has gone through as we've already as I stated like several several versions of like animation because there was okay I can... several runs of anime which actually that might be part of what we're confusing uh, m- some of those seasons may have been from other versions and like the Hulu has just uh... combined them together into a super like I know that happens with um, Lupin the third fans will often refer to different versions of Lupin by the color of his jacket, which is how they kind of showed the different seasons Sorry, and different uh, Lupin the third, which is maybe we'll revisit him. Castle Kylo goes Joy shouted out, which is an amazing film. It's one of Miyazaki's first um, follows. I watched that because of you several years ago, Gavin, and it was great. It's delightful. And that was one of his first things that he did. Um, and he's the Lupin is the grandson of a French um, criminal who goes on adventures, uh, I will say parts of his uh, TV series and manga have not held up uh, as well to the to the current, like, uh, an understanding of gender politics that is a little uh, stronger. Um, but there are still stories that he goes on, and, like, different seasons of that show are incredible and really fun and really experimental. They have, like, a hip 60s feel to them in a certain respect, and everything is very vibrant. And the different versions of him, like, there's even a movie based on the series, which we're getting way off, and I apologize, uh, where the different versions of Lupin all fight. (laughs) Uh, And again, you're telling them apart by the different colors of their jackets. Um, Right. I mean, like, I can see, I can see Ranma coming back, like, as a different type of animation like i can see like a uh like a rick and morty approach to this property for sure oh boy that sounds that sounds dangerous i mean yeah that's <laughs> i just like that uh, sounds maybe, smart enough to pull that off but i can't i can't see it coming back as as a live action um like i just i can't imagine what that would look at i mean maybe yeah. scott pilgrim approach a property that was clearly already inspired by rama true but, but like all, also, you know, training pandas and putting them in combat with like uh, teenage girls seems like a dangerous prospect. It seems like, like an HBO project, really. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would ensure that <laughs> the team behind uh, his dark materials. Uh... Oh God, no! I wouldn't put them in charge of anything. <laughs> I've never been more disappointed in a show than his Dark Materials. Why does that show look so terrible? <laughs> it's HBO. Is it is it more disappointing than the Golden Compass movie? I mean, I don't remember the Golden Compass movie a lot. This seems like a lot more um, 
faithful to the source material, but like I don't know if that matters if it's still so fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, there's the occasion like I was talking with someone about uh say what is it? Um American Psycho and sometimes it's okay to divulge from the uh from the source material a little bit. Oh sometimes yeah. It's, you know, Constantly. Like, there's there's dozens of great examples of that, yeah. I know you're a fan of Preacher, and I haven't really given it the full chance yet, but, like, I would be okay with cutting some of the things that they did in that comic. Oh, they make a lot of smart <laughs> choices. They also, like, make a lot of, like, why not just use the original thing, how it happened. Like, some of the stuff that goes with Tulip is just like, oh, those were dumb choices. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could only watch a couple episodes of the TV show of Preacher before I was like, you know what? Not not, not for me. Oh, it's it's great. It's Too rewarding. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, I've been Gavin. This was Preacher Talk. (laughs) This has been, honestly, a very (laughs) special educational episode of Is This Still Good? And thank you for joining. Yeah, Andrew. Do you wanna do you wanna shout out anything or or like tell people where to follow you and stalk you? Yeah, are you actually doing anything Uh, these days, unlike us? (laughs) Well, I was, you know, before the quarantine, I was already podcasting. So now I'm just continuing. The podcast show um, off just with a lot less field tape my other podcast is called benjamin walker's theory of everything you know i'm benjamin walker is this is the host i'm the producer you know you can catch you can catch my voice on there here and there too um and then you know i'm on i'm on twitter.com callaway things um and yeah those are you know those are the those those are my plugs <laughs> beautiful plugs sir um I'm, I'm gavin you can find me at gavin v murray uh on most things instagram etc um and you can find sage. me at hold for playing <laughs> on various socials but not the twitter.coms uh and you can find us at still good pod on instagram maybe eventually a website you can write it with all of your complaints directly to gavin <laughs> at still at gmail.com <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye.